Um, uh, my name is Josh Getzko. I am currently on the faculty, as you mentioned, as an assistant professor uh, or I would say associate. They have a different ranking system. Anyway, I'm in Israel at the Hebrew University in the Department of Sociology and the Institute of Criminology. The PhD uh, in sociology from Princeton University, where I learned statistics and research methods, and um, a postdoc I did at Harvard in health policy. So I feel, you know, so, I don't necessarily have so well, obviously specific that, that expertise in Yeah, no, I was going to say, obviously, uh, that, that prepares you for pa pandemics, but I, I was joking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I, I apologize for interrupting. Please carry on. No, no, no problem. I think there's a little bit of a delay here. Um, I just no, just saying. You know, I don't have specific training in epidemiology or things like that, but but I have sort of a wide uh, and in-depth knowledge of general things related to statistics and research design and that sort of thing, which applies across the board. It doesn't ma doesn't matter. Just just because you're looking at you know medical issues suddenly doesn't mean that a, a messed up research design is okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. And as far as analyzing bears and stuff like that, it's it's not rocket science. It's pretty, no. it's pretty right. so, so let's, let's get into the meat of uh, what you've been up to. And what what can you give us just a kind of a broad summary of what your thoughts are right now? What have you been finding? Uh, and, and what does it mean for people? Well, I think one of the biggest things that I've stumbled upon, the CDC um, and the FDA made an announcement that they had found a possible safety signal for ischemic stroke following the bivalent booster. Now, by, uh, do, you, do you remember that, Randy? No, I do not, please. Okay, it was plastered all over, uh, all over. Um, now, what was interesting about that is they announced, they made the announcement actually quite a, about a month or so after they'd actually found the signal um, and they spent some time looking into it. So they were able to make the announcement and basically say at the same time or a day or two later, well, we found the signal, but we've already looked into it and it's, it doesn't really hold up. But what they didn't tell you about and what most people haven't heard about and which we found out about, we've gotten information on this through a Freedom of Information Act request that was filed by Zach Stieber at the Epoch Times is that they've done a VAERS safety signal analysis. The CDC did starting, they started doing it in March, 2022, all the way through the end of July, 2022. And they found over 600 uh, safety signals for adults from the regular COVID-19 vaccines. And nobody heard about it. It didn't make it into any other publication, mainstream publication, um, the only publication that talked about it was Epoch Times. Um, so, you know, what is a safety signal, right? What is, what, is, what is the significance of that? So I don't know how much on your podcast you've discussed VAERS, the vaccine adverse events. Oh, we have quite system. a bit, yeah. Yep. Right. So what is it for? What is the VAERS system for? It's to detect safety signals, right? from a new vaccine and you know they have a similar safety a similar monitoring system for for regular medications and the VAERS is just the specific one they have for vaccines so it's touted as the you know early warning system that they have 
And in meetings with congressional leaders prior to the rollout of the vaccines, they assured them that they were going to mount the most comprehensive monitoring, safety monitoring campaign ever, uh, including um, VAERS and being able to detect signals early through reports to VAERS. So it's a very important system. Um, they spend tens of millions of dollars on it every year. Um, and how do they go about detecting a safety signal? What would count as the safety signal? And the basic idea is that they, they look at the proportion or the percentage of adverse events of a particular type of adverse event, let's say myocarditis, okay? And they compare the, the reporting rate of myocarditis out of all adverse event reports for that new vaccine to the rate of reporting of myocarditis to, to a previous vaccine or previous vaccines. So if 5% um, of all reports for COVID vaccines are for myocarditis, and 5% of all reports for other vaccines are myocarditis, then it's the same rate and there's no safety signal, okay? What they wanna see is a doubling of the rate. They wanna see that the rate is at least twice as much. So 10% of all reports for the COVID vaccines were my, for myocarditis compared to 5% for other vaccines. So that's twice as big. And if it's twice as big and you have enough numbers of reports, It'll be statistically significant, and then they can say, oh, we have a safety signal. And the safety signal doesn't mean that it's causing the problem. It means that they've detected a potential problem, and they need to follow up with more research, right? Um, and they have all kinds of data and methods they can use to do that. I, I, we could talk about the problems with that, and you know, they don't do a very good job with that either. But just on the face of it, if you detect a signal in Veris, you should be following up on it. And they've detected 660, and that's just for adults, 660 safety signals, many of which are very, very severe. You can go through some of that if you want. And they haven't followed up, as far as we know, on any of them, not one. And they didn't notify uh, any anybody. You know, the public certainly hasn't been notified about this. So on the one hand, you know, they're blasting through the, you know, every available news outlet about this one potential safety signal that turned out not to be a safety signal, while completely ignoring 660 others that they found. So uh, what category are we, are these 659 other different diagnoses? Uh, what, what, what determines a safety signal? So um, there's, a, there's a system that regulatory agencies use to code adverse events, okay? There's the, the, a list of codes. There's a hierarchy of different codes through what's called the Medical Dictionary for Regulatory Activities, MEDRA. Hmm. And so when somebody puts in a report to VAERS, they, usually it's a medical professional, but sometimes it's a person, but they'll just type in a bunch of stuff. They might fill out some fields and stuff like that. But then it, somebody who's working for the CDC has outsourced all private companies, but somebody sitting behind a keyboard looking at that report and coding it according to this coding system, the MEDRA coding system, okay? So when you talk about an adverse event, you're talking about a, a certain type of code within this system called preferred term. It's kind of like the lowest level. So you could imagine, you know, if I had something wrong with my stomach, um, so they would list it as the specific problem, you know, ga gastric 
increase gastric mm -hmm. acid increase i don't know something like that right. and then that would be coded like that and then there's a higher level categories like uh, gastrointestinal problems so that would that would be part of that category but that's a higher level the lower level they're called preferred terms okay so every if you look in everybody's ever looked at various the the, the, the frontline um, reports that you get are at this level, this preferred term category. So when we're talking about 660 safety category, uh, safety signals, we're talking about these preferred terms that we're seeing there. They were seeing 660 different preferred terms that were elevated um, to such a degree that um, they would, they constitute, they, they fill all the criteria for what they call a safety signal. So, um, you know, and we could look at what some of those are. So one of the things that I did is I went through the list that we had and I kind of tried to um, group them together into different types of problems, like cardiac problems, thromboembolic problems. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't know if you want to share the- Yeah, which, which one would that be? I'm going to go to your- That would be from that, that link that I sent you from my substack, jackandapes.substack.com. So uh, is that, what, what, it's is that the top. It's at the very top of January. The, it's at the very top. It's pinned to the top of the page, or you can click the link that I sent through the chat. And is it one? Yeah, that's it. So if you scroll down, you see some tables. Um, this just gives some. Was it? There was a doubling in the. Um, rate of reporting for serious adverse events compared to previous vaccines they compared to. Okay, so these, this shows you the main categories um, of the different reports and then the number of reports that they got that were reported to those different categories. So the largest number of reports they got were for cardiovascular issues and then neural thromboembolic, pulmonary, menstrual, death, um, hemorrhagic problems, gastrointestinal, hematological, immunological, cancer or neoplasms as they call it. And then there are some other ones that are kind of miscellaneous that I didn't put there. So that's kind of like the broad view. But if you want to look like at the next, you just click on the arrow to the right, you get, you get to the um, cardiovascular. Yeah, this is the, the next slide. I'm not seeing it. Randy, are you? Yeah, it says major, major cardiovascular event. Says major cardiovascular event safety signals. This is the next slide. Okay, now I'm seeing it. Okay, great. Now I've got it. Now I'm seeing it too. So the biggest one, well, the, so there the two big ones aren't on this. Okay, the two biggest ones are chest pain and palpitations. But then you've got atrial fibrillations, regular heartbeats, myocarditis, um, cardiac failure, cardiac arrest pericarditis, cardiac flutter. Okay, I mean, all, so it just, it goes, you know, and there's a lot more than this, this cardiovascular. Those are just the big, the, the ones that had the most kind of reports associated with them in the VARES system. And these are all among the preferred terms events where they found a safety signal. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and then, you know, so again, a safety signal doesn't mean that necessarily that something, look at the neurological ones, and I guess your audience can go to my website and, and look at that. But um, 
one of the other things to, to keep in mind here is that had a stronger safety signal than the safety signal for myocarditis, right? So we know that myocarditis is a problem. It's elevated. It's, there's an elevation of myocarditis after, after vaccination, after the second vaccine specifically. And so that if anything has a higher safety signal, stronger safety signal than myocarditis on the face of it, there's a good reason to suspect that it might be caused by the vaccine and, and really needs to be investigated. And here we're seeing, you know, two thirds of these 660, over 500 of these categories are, or these different adverse events are, uh, have a stronger signal than, than myocarditis. Mm. Um, I don't know if you want to go skip to, yep. um, you know, let's just go through quickly. Just look at the neurological ones or, okay. Oh, I think, okay. Well, here we go. Neurologic. Right. Oh, I think, yeah. So, you know, you've got tinnitus. Now tinnitus is a big one because I don't know why it's not getting bigger than that, but tinnitus is, um, uh, has been associated, apparently, and I learned this from vic um, vaccine injured groups, is that tinnitus is the one adverse event that is most closely connected to um, suicide. People are yeah. hearing this loud a, ringing yeah, noise. It's like a, that almost like a horror kind of thing. Like oh, yeah. Just imagine the, uh, you have this loud ringing in your ears even that can even be painful all the time 24 7 you can't even get to sleep because you have this room right? that that will drive you insane um and there's lots of evidence that that the vaccines increase the risk of tinnitus lots of published research showing that there's an increase of tinnitus and in fact i think the european agency has acknowledged this increased risk of tinnitus after vaccination american authorities haven't but um so, you know, you get your Bell's palsy and your dementia and, um, right. Those are not, you know, and there are other, there are other problems. Paresthesia, which is like a tingling. It can be a painful tingling sensation that you get here. Are the only two paresthesias that had a safety signal were for oral and pharyngeal, um, which is in your ear. But, um, that is, uh, according to, poll that was done among vaccine injured, they were asked if there was one thing that you could get rid of, one adverse event, you know, one thing that happened to you that you could get rid of, what would it be? And they, they the number one answer was paresthesia. Right. So, yeah. yeah. And, you know, the list goes on. And of course, you've got all the menstrual injuries. Here's your, your blood clotting adverse events that you're have to scroll down to, right? Um, Thoughts in the brain that cause a stroke. It's another another term for stroke. There are many different terms for for strokes in this. And I had another slide, I think, in another presentation where I looked at all the different strokes. There's something like 26 different terms for stroke that have a safety signal in this FOIA uh, FOIA request or the answer to the FOIA request. Um, 
right? And and you didn't hear about any of those 26. All you heard about was that one from the bivalent mm-hmm. booster that turned out to not really be. That's interesting. So, so it's it's inter- not- another thing, it's just, I just want to say that even though the CDC and FDA have ruled out, they've already said that this, this stroke signal is probably nothing. They still have this very, very elaborate plan of how they're going to go about and continue to look into it, continue to study it. And so why are, why are they doing, why are they developing all the elaborate plans for that safety signal on, on a vaccine that almost nobody is taking right. compared to all of, you know, these 26 other stroke safety signals for this, these other vaccines? It doesn't make any sense. So is this all from the bivalent one or is this from the previous? No, this is just the previous ones. Um, they were, I don't think they differentiated between dose. So basically it could be from the first dose, second dose or third dose, or technically even the fourth dose. Um, they did uh, stratify it by age. So what we're looking at here is just the adverse events the board. for adults 18 to 18 to 65 if you scroll down a bit more you'll see uh, a table that lists here's the so they had the 60 i think 66 safety signals for the 12 to 17 year olds um which includes you know some of it is not that it, you know some of it isn't that serious some of it is very serious right like bell's palsy and genital ulcerations and why are 12 to 17 year olds having thromboses and pulmonary embolisms and cardiac valve incompetencies, immune thrombocytopenia, which is something that's been acknowledged as a problem with the Johnson and Johnson vaccine and AstraZeneca, right? But not no, no, for the mRNA vaccines, they've given, they've given them a pass. They don't, they don't increase your no, risk. They don't, they don't follow up. I know that was always weird to me that they were very much on, on the tail of Johnson Johnson. I mean, I think that the, yeah. you know, they've had the fingers on their scale, on the scale, and um, the mRNAs. You know, it's it's an experiment, which which should you know, you know, I, I'm not against experimenting with mRNA vaccines as a new concept, and so forth. But they shouldn't have experimented on the whole globe. They shouldn't have experimented right. on kids. They shouldn't have experimented on pregnant women. They shouldn't have experimented on women who are likely to get pregnant, et cetera, et cetera. You know, if you want to experiment Absolutely. on say, 85 year olds. I mean, at the time, uh, under duress, uh, that, that, that's fine. You know, people who have very little, you know, future uh, are not likely to have very many long-term side effects. But if you have a lot of long-term on your ledger, you know, you're young, you're a 12-year-old. You know, this yeah, is crazy. Right. This is all done um, in, in the in the the, the event of, of 12 to 17-year-olds not having any problem from the illness itself. And right. this is this is crazy. I mean, I, I do want to just point out for, for our, our fans and, and viewers that some of the you know, some of the scales, the numeric scales on the bottom vary. So, you know, I'm going to. Yeah, that's a good point. Out. Right. I want to just point out that, that these are different in scale. If you look in the bottom um, here. Yes, so you're this, right. This, and thank here. you for making, thank you for pointing that out. That's, this that's scale awesome. here is number of AEs, um, adverse events. This is the 10, these are in the thousands of 14,000. If we go back, um, you know, the, these are in the thousands. Uh, this overall, these are in the 70, these are tens of thousands. So, these have different, um, I don't know, but they're really, I would call them the y-axis, but they're sideways. Uh, so the x-axis over here. Um, yeah. And so I just want to, you know, bring that to people's attention that some of these things are are less than others. So I, I don't want to go nuts over, you know, every, um, you know, every episode of, of um, you know, um, bowel, uh, Crohn's disease and so forth, because I don't think those are necessarily significant. I, th- I do think it's interesting that a lot of the itis uh, ones, I mean, this, you know, this, this root 
uh, suffix, whatever here, colitis, appendicitis, uh, myocarditis. Uh, a lot of these things, you know, the itis means inflammation. And so right. um, I think there is some some aspect that, that people should be thinking about. Not, not, not tinnitus, of course, that, that's actually different, but myocarditis, pericarditis. Uh, these, these are things that involve inflammation and inflammation is a good and a bad thing. I like to just always point out, you know, people always want to take anti-inflammatories. And, um, you know, the question is, is one man's inflammation is another man's healing. So if you have a cut and you scrape your knee, you're going to have inflammation at the area, but you want to have inflammation because otherwise your knee doesn't heal. So those same right. cells that are healing cells are, are called inflammation when you don't want it. So when you're getting, you know, a problem that you don't want, it's inflammation. When it's healing, it's, it's, it's healing. Uh, but those are the same exact process, same exact cells. But the question is, why is there this itis? Why is inflammation happening? And I think because in this case, there's an unnecessary, um, you know, scrape, as it were. You know, you have to scrape when you're playing basketball. Well, you had to play basketball. But you're having a scrape in your heart because you have the vaccine. But you didn't have to have this vaccine. So I just want to point that out. Right. For, um, viewers, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, why, why, no, no, thank you. Uh, while we're on this screen, you notice that appendicitis is one of the high number and it was it's also mentioned on the 12 to 17 and the 5 to 11 as a, i mean not mentioned it's found as a safety signal and it's right. interesting because there was a large study done in israel on the safety of the covid 19 vaccines there are problems with the study and they only looked at some two dozen different adverse events but one of them was appendicitis and uh and they found an increased risk of appendicitis after uh, vaccination um, that they didn't find after COVID-19 infection. So this result, this fact that you have this safety signal there is actually supported by uh, published the published uh, literature. I mean, there are, you know, a lot of these are, are supported by the published literature. There are actually about 3,000 case series reports that have now been published um, on, you know, people who had something happen to them after the vaccine. Um, so, you know, you put all of the data together and it's the picture doesn't look good. If you go one more, you'll get to the five to 11 year old list. I mean, if there's any silver lining here, it's that there, the, there weren't a ton of safety signals for the 12 to 17 year olds and the five to 11 year olds. I think that what there is, what there is, 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 is concerning, no doubt about it. Well, especially uh, these but, over here, you know, mm -hmm. it, you know, a little bit of myocarditis can ruin your day. Um, you know, myocarditis um, is, uh, you know, we hadn't heard much about it in, you know, in the, in the before times, as I like to call it. Uh, in the before times, myocarditis, you know, I, I, I've seen patients over, you know, probably about 40, almost 40 years. And um, uh, I've seen, a, you know, ha had seen a handful of cases of myocarditis, maybe, you know, hardly any. Pericarditis as well, very, very rare, um, because your heart is, is frankly pretty well insulated. Um, you know, we don't see that many encephalitis because your brain's pretty well insulated, your heart, uh, not that many things happen to those things. Your heart, I mean, it's an incredible machine. It, it's working. It's, 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 you know, it's a muscle that's going on and on and on and on, on forever. And it doesn't really, you know, it happens. Uh, nothing happens that much. Um, you know, you don't get heart cancer. Um, you know, not, I mean, sometimes the muscle kind of wears out a little bit, get, get congestive heart failure. But as far as inflammation of it, uh, it's pretty rare. Uh, phenomenon, uh, and, and uh, I, I'm not sure precisely whether. I mean, there's a brain, there's a blood brain barrier, but I, I'm not sure there's a cardiac cardiac barrier. Um, so why that is is an open question. But um, you know, here we're seeing a lot of this, and and you know, there's two questions. One is, 
uh, what would have happened just from COVID itself? You know, my own, uh, my, my pre-answer is that, that in this age group, you know, kids didn't get any symptoms at all from COVID. It's unlikely they're going to get myocarditis without even having much in the way of COVID-19, um, you know, respiratory illness. Um, but, you know, I, 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 I've mentioned this many times, but I was literally screamed at by, uh, uh, by somebody at my tennis club who's an MD, MPH, and he works in the public health system here in, in Massachusetts. And, uh, you know, he, he was all over me for not, you know, being, you know, thrilled about vaccines for kids. And he said, well, you know, you're, you're, you know, whatever. You're, you're, what about the children? I mean, it was kind of reverse. What about the children? It was what about society? Um, and, but, you know, my feeling was that um, he, he said, well, you can get myocarditis and pericarditis from the illness itself. I said, well, okay, fine. Even if we stipulate that's true, um, you know, most of these kids have already been exposed to it. So why give them the additional burden of a vaccine to an illness which they've already exposed when natural immunity has always previously in the before times trumped mm -hmm. vaccine? Um, anyway, so that, that's kind of an anecdote. I'm not sure you can comment on that per se, but, um, you know, I, I yeah, no, absolutely. I gave comments to the FDA VRB PAC committee, the outside expert committee, you know, they have that public comment period. I, I gave comments on the meeting where they met to, to, um, vote on the vaccine for the five to 11 year olds, the Pfizer vaccine. And even based on their own data, you know, we're just pulling out data that they had published in the MMWR, um, you could see that they're looking at um, what percentage of uh, teenagers had been, this is from their VSAVE data, had been in the hospital in the week following vaccination, just one week following. If you add more weeks, you get even more. But, and it was a startlingly, I mean, it wasn't a very high percentage in absolute terms, but, you know, for, uh, being in the emergency room or the hospital after a vaccination was very high and they weren't, you know, that was one of the many things that they, they didn't take into consideration. Um, the only thing they took into consideration in their um, cost benefit analysis was myocarditis, but none of the other, and then they completely lowballed their, their expected rate of myocarditis. I don't want to get into all that. Anyway, one thing I will say is that, you know, I, I was talking about a silver lining here that there aren't that many um, safety signals or very serious ones for this age group. But the other part, the other part of this is that if if there's a if there's a, a symptom that's reported for the COVID nineteen vaccines that was never reported for the comparative comparator vaccines, where here what they're doing is they're comparing the COVID vaccines to reports for all vaccines since 2009. Mm -hmm. If you never had something reported for those other vaccines for this age group, for example, it won't, it won't will never come up. It will never register as a safety signal. You could have 10,000 reports of something. And if it never was reported for a previous vaccine, by the definition of how they define what a safety signal is, it wouldn't count as a safety signal, which is pretty absurd. Hmm. So, you know, the, the other possibility here is that there are some things that are being reported you know, for this age group that are, um, that were never, you know, that were, that are very serious, but were not reported previously. That's actually something that I've been meaning to go back and look at. But hmm. So you're saying, uh, if I understand that, that let's pick one, say pericarditis was never a signal for uh, flu shots for five to 11. I mean, we, no, that's not what I'm saying. Okay. What I'm saying is so all so to 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 have a safety signal, you have to compare reports for a new vaccine to reports for an established vaccine. 
right? Okay. So right. If this other this, some previous vaccine like pertussis didn't have this, it wouldn't necessarily. It, it, it wouldn't, you would never see it if 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 nobody had ever reported myocarditis after pertussis vaccine, say, or and you were comparing it to the pertussis vaccine. Then, then even if you were getting 10,000 reports of myocarditis, if you had zero reports for the previous vaccine, it, it wouldn't register as a safety signal. Because it's, it's kind of like, like yeah. with, with your Texas instrument calculators, you, you divide the number and you get that, you know, something divided by zero, you get the, the crazy right. e, e That's exactly what it is. That's a, You can't get that, you can't divide by zero. And that's, right? Whereas you would think that if something's coming up now for this vaccine that we didn't see for whatever, 20 or for, for, you know, 13 years um, for any other vaccine that that probably, we should probably look into that, <laughs> but they, you know, it's just like, they're just completely blind to it. Oh my. All right. So, so um, yeah. So I, I and, you know, this was, carry on. Oh, right. This was brought. This 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 FOIA information was brought to the attention of the FDA's outside committee at their previous meeting. I forget what they were discussing, the booster strategy or whatever, and they didn't say anything about it. They didn't care. None of the outside committee members. I don't think they listened to the comment period, frankly. But if they are listening, they didn't. They didn't care. They didn't say anything. Well, this is kind of a uh, fad, I guess, in a way. And, um, um, you know, I, I had a side question. Uh, we, we have not really been able to see. Um, well, I, I've, I've looked many, many times. You actually have my quote here. What about the children? <laughs> um, oh, was that, was, that, was that you? I didn't. No, no, no. I, it's, it's kind of a common plaint here. You know, people, whenever somebody wants to do anything, you know, you uh, it's 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 kind of a, a meme joke um, from the before times. You know, people want to I don't know, uh, I don't know, fix a pothole in the street, and people well, it's kind of like NIMBY, not in my backyard. But the other one is like, what about the children? You know, you want to do something. It's like, what about the children? People were always like previously right, concerned, right, right, like what right, about the children? Right. You know, we 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 have to consider them first. And right, here, right. Uh, they seem Absolutely. to have been uh, considered last, and, oh, and yeah. it, it's it's kind of a, in my view. A, a cowardly approach to the whole pandemic that, that, you know, again, I love my old people like crazy, you know, <laughs> getting back to my tennis club. I play the old guys. I play the, the 85 year olds and 87. We play doubles and I was enlisted. Uh, God rest his soul. One of the great members of ex president of the club. And he's a terrific athlete. Anyway, but he was old, old, you know, he was in his late eighties and he and his um, son, my age, uh, you know, we played doubles for a couple of years, three years. I love my old guys. I love my old women. You know, we took care of my mother-in-law in our basement for 10 years. And uh, we would have let her out if she'd wanted to, but <laughs> she wasn't in that uh, position. I used to say, you know, she people say, how is she? I said, she's happy as a clam. But in, in precisely the same ways that, that theoretically, uh, we don't know that whether clams are happy. Right. But in, in the same precise ways that clams might be happy, which is to be ensconced in the place, uh, right. warm, comfortable, uh, fed, and, and so forth, and not getting out that much, not looking around. So, so right. she was literally as happy as a clam doing her crossword puzzles and all that kind of stuff for 10 years. She was mentally fine. And we kept her all clean and everything during COVID. She died from something else completely different like a few months ago. And again, you know, may she rest in peace. And all hear that. We got her through COVID. I'm not against old people. I love my old people. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm frankly, I'm, I'm being one someday. And I'm hoping, I mean, I'm not that <laughs> old. 
I'm not that lovable, but I'm hoping somebody uh, takes care of, of me with the same assiduousness uh, my wife did for yeah. her mom and, and, and ditto with my mom. I took care of her for, you know, financially for like 40, 50 years or something like that. And wow. well, we, she was widowed back in the 70s. Anyway, so love my old people, stipulate. But but I love my kids also. And I love right. my you know, potential kids' kids and, and all the young people and so forth. And there's no reason to, to shortchange them. You know, it should have been, what about the children? You know, lockdowns, closing down the playground, mm -hmm. you know, covering over. You know, I've seen that absurd one. They had the two-by-fours on a basketball net, you know, so so that you couldn't shoot a basket in. Uh, I mean, sometimes when the Celtics play, I feel as if that's there uh, the theoretically. You know, they they were they missed like 16. Uh, oh, that's funny. Anyway. But but there were literal ones, and they they, they cover the, the the skateboard parks with sand, and where oh, there yeah. was sand on the beach, you couldn't go to the beach, you couldn't skateboard on the beach, you couldn't skateboard on the skateboard, you know, you couldn't uh, sand what are the, the skim skimboard on the beach, you couldn't skateboard on the sand. It was craziness. You know, they they had the police boats go out after the one guy who's swimming by himself. Um, you know, total lunacy. I'm just going to be. I'm on a riff here, so I apologize, but um, the medications haven't kicked in. But yeah. but I had Human uh, Hamati. Um, on my show, and he's a, a physician out in California, and, and everyone really loves this one anecdote he gave, which is um, uh, he, he wanted to go swimming, you know, and he lives on near the beach in California, Southern California, and, and they wouldn't let anybody in. So so he grew out his beard. Uh, he he um, got a watch cap and, and, you know, got, I don't know, tattered up his clothing and whatever he did, uh, he got mismatched up and he shuffled off with, uh, you know, bad shoes or whatever, and, and, and he was he was homeless. And so he went out to the beach and stripped down uh, whatever and, and, and went swimming. And the police wouldn't go near yeah. him because he was homeless. And, 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 um, and it's just an incredible thing that, that, you know, in a way, in order to get anything, you have to be, have to enemy, you have to be of namelessness in order to profit by a system that definitely, you know, perpetrated and, and, and penetrated and, um, um, uh, you know, kind of, prejudiced against um, actual people trying to live their lives in an appropriate way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Really upside down. Do you want to stop the, uh, the screen share maybe? Uh, well, I, I was going to do that, but, but you, you, our faces are laggy. So I, I thought, Oh, this, okay. This All was, right. That's uh, fine. Whatever. This was the, the better part of valor. Um, I, see. I, mean, I, well, I, to, I don't think you're laggy right now. Okay. Well, one thing um, that I cover in the, in this, uh, post is all of the arguments against VARES, right? So you start telling people that the number of VARES reports has gone through the roof. And what do they say? They, the, the, one of the first things they'll tell you is, oh, well, um, that's because we started vaccinating so many more people. Well, first of all, we, it, <laughs> first of all, the way that they calculate a safety signal doesn't have anything to do with the number of vaccines. It's the rate of reporting yeah, of a rate. particular type of vaccine Absolutely. out of all reports for that vaccine. And in fact, if you have an increased number of reporting for a particular vaccine, that could actually tend to lower your safety signal, lower the rate, the likelihood of finding a safety signal because every report becomes less as a percentage of the of all reports. And then the other thing is that if you look at it, you can look at it per vaccine dose that's administered. And if you do that, you still see a ton of safety signals. So that, you know, that argument is just irrelevant. And then you, they say, well, there's all these anti-vaxxers and people are just put to, doing anything that happens to them 
uh, before they, uh, you know, anything that happens to them while they're, uh, 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 after they've gotten vaccinated, they'll connect it to the vaccine and, and report it to, to VAERS. But, but in fact, the, the, the CDC has, first of all, it's the CDC system and the FDA system, the government system. If they have a problem with it, they need to fix it. But they, they actually think that the data quality, they use VAERS reports to publish in some of the best medical journals. Right? And they have a methodology for determining whether or not the increase in reporting is due to people reporting more often than they normally would. Right? Like people say it's inflated because people are connecting everything to the vaccine or because of fear or anti-vaxxers or because the government said they need to report or whatever. They actually have a methodology. And if you use the, to determine if that's really what's driving the, the increase in reporting. And if you use that methodology, you can you, you can see very clearly that that's not what's going on here, right? Based on their own methodology. It may be the case for some things, but not, not most things. People say VAERS isn't reliable. Well, if VAERS isn't reliable, why are they able to publish in the best medical journals using VAERS data? Mm -hmm. In fact, the, the paper they published in JAMA on myocarditis, they, um, uh, they went through every myocarditis report and they said about 80% of them were had enough information and seemed reliable enough to be included and analyzed as part of their myocarditis analysis from VAERS. So, you know, why are 80% of the myocarditis reports reliable enough to be published in JAMA, but all the rest of VAERS is garbage, right? You can't right. make heads or tails of it. Yeah. It, it just doesn't, it doesn't wash. It just, none of the arguments against VAERS wash. And ultimately it is just a safety signal detection system that's what it's built for and it but it's not being used for it and might i might i remind you what i told you at the beginning which is that this safety signal analysis that was obtained through a foia request they only started doing it in march 2022 after we were re requesting to see their safety signal analysis which according to a document on the cdc website from late january 2021 outlined exactly what they were going to do for their safety signal analysis they were going to do these weekly beginning in January, February 2021. And they waited a full 15 months before the vaccines rolled out, before they started to do even one of these. One safety signal analysis. They have millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars. Um, craziness. Let me ask you a side question. Um, you know, I, I was trying to find all this stuff during the, the you know, we had the before times uh, and now we have the after times during the during times uh, of lockdown and so forth. Uh, I was trying to, you know, hunt down our CDC. Israel had a better kind of um, parsed uh, and, and segregated and spreadsheetable database. Um, did you find and have you searched the Israeli data for the same type of signals as we're seeing in VAERS? And does, does Israel, I, I assume it doesn't participate in VAERS. I assume that's a U.S. enterprise. Um, but uh, but when I was looking, you know, did, did, were the signals there, did they coincide with the Israeli data? Uh, were they um, more quickly found amongst the Israeli data? Because I remember seeing, you know, the reports about myocarditis increase in, in young boys and so forth, or young men uh, from Israel. Almost all these things came out first there. Uh, how, how accessible, was, just on a gross level, how accessible was the data there, were the data there versus here? And uh, have you found the same thing secondarily? Okay, 
So um, VARES can, uh, many reports to VARES are international and you can actually divide up if it's national data, you want national data or, or to include the international accounts. They often get those from regulatory agencies abroad or, or um, uh, the vaccine manufacturers, they get a report from abroad and they have to submit it to VARES. Israel did not have a functioning system like VARES um, for a very long time. They had something that didn't even allow you to put in your um, contact information. So they had no way to follow you up. Nobody knew about it. It had a, a you had a very limited text field where you could input a very limited number of characters. There were some predefined things. It was basically useless. What they were doing in, in Israel is they had a second system that was um, for medical personnel to report vaccine adverse events. And that's what they were reporting on. They did, a, they did I think every month they were publishing a report based yeah. on that. But that was ex uh, very, very heavily underreported, first of all, because most doctors were unwilling to. So normally the way pharmacovigilance systems work is that you report everything, whether you think it's related or not, and then you let the, the you analyze it afterwards to figure out what's going on. And if there's a signal, you're not supposed to um, censor yourself from reporting, but that's what doctors did. They were they were kind of discouraged even from reporting. OK, in some cases, mm -hmm. but in most cases, they just were unwilling to accept that many things could be related to the vaccine and therefore they never um, reported it. And, and we also know doctors who did report things whose reports didn't show up in the the monthly report. Right. They reported to the system. But this but somebody at the other end in the Ministry of Health curated the reports and 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 deleted some reports like on deaths and things like that. Mm -hmm. So. Their system was 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 trash, and they 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 recognized this uh, approximately in September, and by December of 2021, when they were about to roll out the vaccines for the kids, they created a new system. Um, and um, in and then and then they hired some researchers from an Israeli hospital to analyze the data from their new system. Of course, most everybody had already had their vaccines by the time they started this new system. Um, so, you know, some people reported retrospectively, but most people didn't, but anyway, there's, there was a closed door meeting that was captured. Uh, there was a recording that was leaked, the closed door meeting with these, um, medical researchers presenting their results to people at the ministry of health saying things like, um, many of these things that we're seeing, um, got worse after the first dose, then they got better then they got then they went, got worse after the second dose. And they call this a re-challenge. And they said, this, this is indication that this is a causal, that the vaccines are causing this problem. And there were different problems that they recognized for this. Um, so that was one of the things. They said, there are things that we're seeing here that Pfizer hasn't reported on. They said they've never seen, that haven't been reported in the, in the medical literature. We need, to re we need to report on it. Um, there, were, there were some other things about it. But basically all of that stuff was kept hidden. Um, and the Ministry of Health a few months later did release a report from these researchers, but essentially buried all of these things that they were saying, like that there are new things that we're finding that aren't reported, that there's indications of causal relationships. So in the report, the official report, they said nothing new here and nothing causal. Mm -hmm. um, so the Ministry of Health is actively covering up adverse events 
it's interesting. I did a comparison. Um, they did a survey after the the first booster. Um, and yeah, that's my um, Twitter at Josh G 99. Anyway, they did a survey of adverse events after the first booster, um, which was very, very telling. That's also on my sub stack, very high rates of, um, of several different adverse events that were much, 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 much higher than they were getting from this reporting system that they were using, the one that the doctors were reporting to. So the numbers, you know, they're hundreds to thousands to tens of thousands of times less reports in that system than you would get if you extrapolated from the survey they did um, of people who had gotten the booster. If you extrapolate from that to like the number of people uh, that got doses, um, there was very, the reporting was, it was very, very underreported. And we know that. Uh, we know that Varus is underreported. Right. We know that, oh. the, you know, the Israeli system was underreported. So, they did a good job with myocarditis. I have to give them that, but yeah, that was about it. So uh, we're rounding out towards the end of my personal yeah. hour here. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm going to have to thank you uh, um, for for bringing all this up. And I'd uh, like people to, um, you know, check out your Substack and your uh, Twitter feed. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, we can talk about warning words and last words and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think, you know, if you're not... I forget what the quote is, um, but you have to be basically eternally vigilant. You, 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 nothing, nothing is a, as a given. Unfortunately, uh, people are inherently lazy, and they inherently act towards their their um, you know their their kind of salaries where, where they're being paid to go. Uh, so yes. this is madness. Um, I appreciate your stalwart work. Um, it's been you know uh, 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 great getting to know you, and I, I thank you so much for your time. I just uh, before I leave every episode, I always put in my own shameless uh, self promotion here. I have a book, um, Overturning Zika, the Pandemic That Never Was. Uh, there's a, there are a lot of uh, ancillary lessons here um, from this book. I, I would like people to go check it out, uh, A, because it will bring me <laughs> my own financial incentives, um, but B, because there's a lot of the same characters are in this book, uh, Dr. Fauci's, WHO, CDC, all that kind of stuff. And everyone kind of is gung-ho towards uh, making something kind of a mountain out of molehill um, mm -hmm. with Zika. And of course it disappeared. And I mean, it's no big deal for us because it's only in Brazil and only in the tropics, but there's, you know, three and a half billion people in the tropics that were affected, are still affected by this without any kind of surcease in, in, in the um, scaremongering about it. And so my book is literally trying to overturn, you know, that last pandemic as the basis of it was, was factitious. Anyway, I'm going to leave it there. Um, okay, great. Um, any, any last, last words, uh, five seconds, 10 seconds. No, thanks for having me. Appreciate right. it. Right. Well, Josh, you were wonderful. And I, I'm sorry, I apologize to everybody that there was some lag on the video end, but it's kind of an amazing thing. It happens at all. You know, he's in Israel. I'm sitting in Massachusetts. And it's amazing we could have this. I hope you uh, pass this along and share it widely. Uh, Josh, you can stay on for one second more, but I'm going to say goodbye to everybody else. Thank you so much.